And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show. Presented by RIA Advisors. Is it Friday already? It is. It's Financial Fitness Friday. Welcome. I'm Rich Rosso, CFP, here with Danny Ratliff, Certified Financial Planners Squared. Woo. I don't know about you, Danny, but I am glad the week is over. Well, it's not even over yet, but is it glad over? it's Friday. I don't know. The heat's getting me. I mean, it's hot. My car was registering like 113 degrees. I'm like, this is ludicrous. What yeah. is going on here? It is hot. I keep telling people, I don't know if it's just I'm getting older and it's impacting me more, but um, or affecting me more, but it's, yeah. No, it's, it's just it's drags on you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hope you all trying to stay as cool as possible. Market's sort of cool. Cooling off. Right? Lance has been talking about a corrective phase happening here uh, in markets, and that's exactly what happened. Nothing to panic about. It's just, uh, it's just, we got over exuberant and this is sort of healthy. Let some of the air out of the tire, you know, cool things off. Uh, long-term trend is still seemingly positive. Although there are a lot of cracks in the economic foundation that seem to be getting ignored. But one, I mean, but yet economists, <clears throat> you know, the one the one thing we keep seeing, Danny, is the resiliency of the consumer, right? Walmart's numbers, uh, how people are still spending on experiences. So economists are lifting U.S. growth forecasts. But we talk about this a lot that, you know, this pivot or lowering of rates seems like fantasy talk right now. It seems that we are going to be stuck at these higher rates for a period of time. It's almost like a war between the consumer and the Fed as far as who's going to win as the Fed might even continue to, to raise rates. But even then, with the way core inflation looks, why I have no absolute reason to lower them. Well, so we have student loan payments that hopefully I think are going to be resumed again. That'll hurt. We have cash coffers getting drained, people spending a lot on credit cards, but it just seems like the consumer is just willing to do this. And I always think, Danny, it's because they feel like my job is safe. If my job is safe, I can push this stuff out. I think that's the mindset a lot of times. Um, I, think that's, I think that's the case, but I think, you know, you can take a look at just Walmart and Target's earnings. They, they're two different mm -hmm. companies. Granted, now Walmart is going to have a lot more sales within food where Target is going to be more in a consumer discretionary area. Right. And Walmart's been very, very resilient. And, you know, their forward guidance is really strong versus a Target that, you know, granted they've had some hiccups and some things that they've done and policy they've had that I think has certainly impacted their sales. Yes. But their outlook is not nearly as positive. And, you know, some of this is because I think, you know, they are more consumer discretionary. And granted, you know, we've talked about how the pandemic has changed so much as far as how we have to look at things and what people have done. And just like you mentioned, the jobs numbers have not budged a whole lot. We are seeing, you know, that white collar layoff versus a blue collar. So we haven't seen this mass exodus, so to speak. And the pandemic did 
a lot of this ahead of time, I think, for us in some ways, right? Right. Where where you saw the major changes during that time. And, you know, Lance and I talked about this a little bit on Wednesday, how, you know, I, we had a recession. We had all the indicators there prior to the pandemic. But, you know, we kind of put this under the guise of this was all because of the pandemic. Granted, if it had not happened, we may have seen this anyways. So, you know, rationalizing a lot that's going on, I think, has made it extremely challenging. Yeah. In this environment. It is because if you think rationally, you may not even want to be in the market when you just have to like say, listen, it is what it is. The market's telling us this is what it is. You can have your own economic forecast and then take it out on your portfolio and you make bad moves or <clears throat> you just don't look at it for what it is. And the market is designed to perplex you. So the interesting part of Walmart's commentary yesterday, I listened to a little bit of the conference call and read the transcript that says, you know, obviously their customers are looking for value, but they're, they are seeing people across all income cohorts go frequently to Walmart. So $100,000 or more in household income. You know, we're seeing more and more higher end households going to Walmart. And that's and been a trend that, is, that has been, been ramped yeah. up over the last six months to a year. Right. So um, they're, they're doing a lot of uh, really good stuff. And again, their food, I just think Walmart is one of those companies um, that caters to everyone during economic distress. And the CEO was talking about household budget distress. And I do think that that's there and it's indicated in the economic numbers. So it's one thing about what the economic numbers look like because people are spending on stuff they need. But and, and at the same time, <clears throat> they're not happy because inflation isn't moving as quickly as everybody wants on the lower end of the scale. Uh, look, at, look at mortgage rates now, over 7%. I mean, that market's frozen as heck. I mean, it's going to take at least 5% mortgage rates for, that, for this market, the secondary market, to, to thaw. I was talking to a client yesterday. He goes, yeah, you know, we just got an email from a new development with uh, Lennar or Toll Brothers, I can't remember, and we're going to get, we would get like a 4.5% mortgage rate with bonus. So in other words, new home sales, if you want to buy a home, that's where you're getting the good rates. That's where you're getting the incentives. But on the secondary market, boy, it's tough to find inventory uh, and or at least inventory that you like that houses you used to look at go oh these are great this one's great this one's great you don't see that anymore it's a, it's at a twenty one year high and so if if you're you're a homeowner and you want to move you're probably not going to move right now because your interest rate on what you currently have right, the exactly. average average person stays in a home seven years is likely much lower than what you can get right now so you may downsize yet have a higher mortgage payment so we're not seeing the people move unless they have to not because they want to. And so I think that's a big caveat when we think about that. Great. Looking at the 10-year treasury, we're at a, what, a 16-year high right now? Yeah. I mean, and, and that, this may be getting a little bit overdone as well. And so when you think about all the data and, and you know, how long it takes for these higher rates to really impact the economy, look, we've seen an impact already. Just go look at financials back in March. Mm -hmm. That is something that, that's not going away if these rates remain higher. So, you know, it's like the old saying, we've talked about this over and over again where yields will take the escalator up and the elevator down. That's still likely to happen. It's a matter of when. And so the Fed is staying very steadfast and saying, hey, we are not going to decrease interest rates anytime soon. But just think back, rewind a year and a half ago, 
It was the exact same thing, but the opposite. Inflation's transitory. We're not going to do anything. And I think that it's the same exact story where you have to be prepared for what will come. And then you also need to think about how long, um, you know, everybody wants to catch, catch this falling knife and buy something at the very bottom, right? And I think this is going to be a, one of those tough ones. Long-term thesis needs to remain the same, but you need to be nimble surrounding it. Nobody buys low, Danny. Well, have we learned long enough in this yeah. business that an investor well, tells you they want to buy low or they want to buy value, and that's the total opposite of what they want, unless it, t- unless it produces returns in a month. Um, market is possibly the most primal place uh, I've you know we've ever witnessed emotionally. So especially yeah, now, true. we get back. We're going to talk about hey, you might be forced to save for retirement. Some states are doing just that. When we get back. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So I read an interesting article in Investors Daily. Um, And Jason Fickner, he's chief economist at the Bipartisan Policy Center. It's a think tank, and he authored a paper called The Peak 65 Generation, Creating a New Retirement Security Framework. And uh, it's for the Alliance of, for Lifetime Income, a nonprofit that focuses on protecting retirement income and annuities. As, as far as a protected, you will live, these income streams will be allowed as long as you live. So the survey found that the Peak 65 trend by the founder 51% of Americans age 45 to 75 don't think they have enough retirement savings to last their lifetime. And more than a third aren't confident they'll have the funds to cover basic monthly expenses. So according to their protected retirement income and planning study, half of these peak 65 Americans have $100,000 or less in investable assets. Now, some states are really starting to get this as well. And there, is, there, is, there are multiple studies out there that say, listen, automatic retirement savings, if you don't actively opt out, tend to be successful. So Maine and Colorado have now created a partnership that will see two state-run retirement savings programs. And this will be um, auto-enrollment, Danny, in Roth individual retirement accounts as default with the option to add a traditional IRA. So the contribution is 5% of salary, that's the default, and auto-escalate that to 1% per year up to a maximum of 8%. We've always talked about this, get started and slowly increase over time. And now certain states are gonna go ahead and do that. Um, I think, unfortunately, as much as I don't like governments involved in our our stuff, um, this is, necessary people just do not save even when they can and i guess maybe they look at the government as their example but 
I don't know. I, I'm not, I, I'm sort of torn on these programs, but I do think uh, it could be helpful to, 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 have this, to have this done, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I do agree. I, I don't like a couple of things about it. I mean, number one, they only allow up to like an automatic escalation up to 8% as far as how much you can put in. Mm-hmm. Um, also, not real clear as far as what the investment options are. If the state's going to manage these funds for you, absolutely hate it. Yeah. I mean, we see too. what they've done with their pensions. Um, I think that is a problem. But I get the numbers, and, and I understand why states would actually try to tackle this by themselves. Mm-hmm. Because you look, 51% of people actually contribute to some type of retirement plan. 51%. So that means half people aren't even doing anything. You look at the average and median balances, they're terrible. Um, you know, I think when we, we start thinking about why would the state do something like this, you know, I was trying to think, like, what is their incentive outside of, yes, they want to do good, they want to help their people, but look, we know better than that. Uh, sorry, I guess I'm, I'm no, going to get off I mean, on a, I'm gonna again, get on a, a tangent here. But yeah. it, Medicaid, right? All these Medicaid programs are state-run. Yeah. I mean, that's the only incentive that I can actually see outside of, like, actually trying to do the right thing. And I'd like to say that that's what I think they're doing, but there's got to be another incentive inside of this. What are these states doing and why are they doing it? I don't know. Well, to your point, the the more people save, the less stress on them. That Now, this partnership, because they have 40%, this is the main merit program, 40% of Maine workers have no workplace retirement plans. And so Pew Research looked at this program and said that the state-based automatic enrollment helped mitigate $1.3 billion in retirement savings shortfalls. The interesting is it says it's a, <clears throat> it's a partnership, public-private, but I have no idea, and I don't see it easily, who is the company they are working with. Yeah, who's going to be the custodian over this? Who's going to be the administrator? Um, the other thing is they are putting this with the Roth, which you and I, we, we love Roth, 401ks, Roth IRAs. If you can utilize them, fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that, you know, maybe you don't put everything in there, but you hedge your bets. You need to put funds inside of a Roth if you have the flexibility. Give yourself flexibility in retirement. But everybody talks about Roths going away, yet they're mandating <laughs> it. But it, this is also two states with state income tax. What are you trying to say? Uh, they need the money. Danny's becoming like, what's his name? Steve Bannon? Or what? No, no, Alex Jones. He's becoming the conspiracy theorist. But hey, you're this right. is no conspiracy. <laughs> but, I mean, these no, are, but these you're are right. actual facts. Like, you have to opt into the traditional. Correct. <laughs> because, yeah. Because then we can't collect our state taxes from you. How dare you? Hey, I'm not trying to be cynical here, but I mean, but uh, no, but that's absolutely that's absolutely true, and probably eight percent. Even though I don't think it's a great savings rate, uh, you're probably breaking a lot of these employees. They'll probably they would probably not going to get. It's going to be interesting to see how many get to eight percent and sort of let that happen. Even though you know we know that that's not a big deal for a lot of people. You wonder what this does though to wage growth. I mean, think about how many people live paycheck to paycheck. Are they going to have to go ahead and start increasing wages? Because this is not an employer contribution. This is simply an employee contribution. And they're not mandated. Like under a safe harbor, when a, in a 401k or defined contribution plan, there's mandates to keep them protected, these employers. So will that eliminate a lot of that in those states? Where now you're not getting that employer match because you're, you're essentially they're saying, hey, you've already got this. I don't know. 
How does that the change? The person that? on the board of uh, Merit, who's the executive director. Uh, <laughs> she served on educational foundations, mediator in courts, held positions at the Portland Public Library, uh, really and, and a master's in public policy. There's not the, the F word is nowhere in this executive director finance as far as knowing the mechanics of how this works. So there's nobody really with a financial background that could help. Maybe they're depending on the private sector to do that, but I cannot get any information on who they work through. Yeah, look, I, I think it's good in theory. I, I like that it's forcing people who may not be saved I think before it's retirement sad, to do so. Even though so. I think it works, to your point, it's pretty sad. You got to force yeah. people, but that's the situation, especially with inflation that we are in right now. Whatever the word for it is, Bidenomics uh, seems to be, again, in, in all fairness to uh, Grandpa there uh, in chief, we, we've had these problems for a while. <laughs> so this has been a problem. Unfortunately, this has been a problem through many administrations. People just don't have the ability or want to save. Look at that report we talked about, um, about Gen X and the, the state of their retirement savings. Yeah, that's right. Um, and again, it's not easy. People have to, maybe housing affordability is at the worst levels we've ever seen. Um, rents as a percentage of take-home pay are at the highest I've ever seen. Um, just to keep things going, you need to make a lot more money. Everything costs more today. And I, it's what I worry about with inflation, Danny. I don't see, I know we talk about inflation and disinflation, but I mean, how many companies really go back and lower prices? I don't think my auto insurance and my house insurance, homeowners insurance, and, and some of the things that I need to buy are going to go down anytime soon. Now, the, the rate of change, the increases going forward might be less, but I just don't see how we go backwards. I think that's, here. that's the issue is that so many people are looking for actual deflation. They hear the numbers say, oh, well, we're at 3% in inflation, but it's still on top of what we've already received, that high inflation numbers that we've gotten over the last year and a half, two years. Right. That's not gone down. It's just 3% on top of that instead of six, seven, eight, nine. Um, yeah, so it's very misleading to yeah. think that you're getting some sort of relief, to your point. The rate of change is still, I'm still getting rate increases on inflation on, a, on, a, on this plateau. I'm not seeing a reversal in prices. I'm still seeing inflation. Um, and I do think that the Fed has, you want to you laugh? And then you can laugh at me in a year or so. Oh, man. I think they have two or three more rate hikes in them. That's what I think. Hmm. I think it's going to take a lot to break this. I really do. I, I, don't, I don't know the timing of it, but I think it breaks quicker than most I don't know the timing, but expect. I think they're going to have to. Well, listen, they keep pushing it, and yet I thought it would have broke by now. Would have broken by now. And I understand, like, you're looking at savings coffers by the end of the third quarter, completely drained. And I understand what's going on with credit cards, but I think as long as the job market remains strong, people will stay in debt. I mean, you talk to so many people, and this is sort of what was a mindset when I was growing up and people working jobs, like you could do, well, even though they were big savers and a lot of them were for, from the depression, some of the younger people were like, as long as I have a job, I can make the minimum payments. 
Yeah, I heard that a lot when I was first starting out in my, in my career. And, you know, I think that that's how people live. If my job is secure, then I don't have anything to worry about. Yeah, but I, I think that I mean, you're talking 30-something years ago, Rich. I know. But I think the market has changed so much. Think about this. Oh, yeah, Thir- 30 has. years ago, yeah. what type of payments did you have? Well, mortgage. Well, my, I mean, I didn't. Well, I mean, but, just in general, what did most people have? They had a mortgage. They had uh-huh. a, maybe an auto loan. Most people saved. They had large down payments. Right. Uh, they had a large down payment on a car if they didn't pay for it outright and actually save for it. People drove vehicles much longer than what they do now. Um, we didn't have the financialization of everything where every, it was so easy to put things on a credit card. Or, you know, we talked about the iPhone or, you know, we, we joked around about how you can finance underwear at this point. So yeah, there's Jimmy so much debt out there, right? That's problematic. And so the problem is that we may not see it and it may say, hey, this is interest free, but that inflation still creeps up. So one way or another, you're paying for it. You are paying for it. Those Jimmy Johns are not cheap. And at what uh, point does that wreck things? At higher interest rates, that's going to really throw, especially if credit continues to tighten, that's going to be an issue. Yeah, we get back. I want to talk to Danny about this interesting study, something we talked about about a year ago. That's coming true right now. Oh, stay tuned. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com so bank of america came out with a recent report and cited something called a shift up in higher income unemployment which saw a 70% increase versus a year ago in the number of six-figure earners who received unemployment benefits. Americans earning at least 125000 a year are being laid off at three times the rate of those with low or moderate incomes, according to Bank of America. And Danny, we talked about this. When this was going to be a recession or a job pullback, it wasn't the people. It weren't. It wasn't going to be the people who work the aisles at Home Depot. It was going to be someone who works in middle management. We we've talked about this for a while. That these the lower and middle income households will remain, as they say, fairly resilient. So the one thing we know about those households is they spend every penny they make. Good or bad. Which also keeps this. This, this going along with all the social safety net benefits and everything else that we see. High paying jobs in tech, finance, f- layoffs over the past few months have been high, right? So, um, you're, you, you mean, to me, this is uh, something we've, we talked about. If you're in the service industry, lower or middle income, you're going to keep your job. If I'm working, in, in some cubicle somewhere, crunching numbers, I, I'd be worried that my job was at risk. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm concerned with both. I mean, because I think it is, it, it starts, it's got to start somewhere. But I don't know that I'm concerned right now. 
I mean, I think that listen, this can this can remain bullish for a while, uh, probably longer than we can we can fathom. But as far as people spending, man, yeah. Just, I mean, I went to Galveston over the weekend. And let me tell you, it was there's hell, and then it was hot. I mean, it was so hot. But we went to one of the seafood places on the water, and it Packed. was mobbed. Yeah. And the and the and the prices aren't cheap, and it was mobbed. So people are out there spending money. That that always you know surprises me. I don't know why. Because we're quick to share meals. I mean, I'm doing the math with kids. Like, all right, three kids, you get a kid's meal versus getting one big adult plate splitting. Like, um, Yeah, I understand that. You know. But no, it's, it's just. So again, what I worry about is how long this is going to last. How long treasury yields are going to stay sustained. And to Lance's point, over a period of time, it's going to cause more. And this is what I worry about, a spiral. It creates... It creates more people continue to spend. Government continues to spend, right? Economic growth continues, which is great. But then treasury yields continue to climb. Our debt service goes up. Then also our status in the country, uh, in the world, is, 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 is cracking, right? I understand we're still the cleanest dirty shirt. But, Danny, that's just based on our image. But we're slowly chipping away. At, at that image yeah, as no, far no. as being fiscally responsible. And, and, and that, I think, also pretends to higher yields. So, you know, this just, it's just a strange time. And if you're an investor from an investor perspective, it's tough to know which way to turn, <clears throat> right? It's, you want to, and if you have a balanced portfolio for the most part, where you have money in different sectors, you're not really performing at all this year. Yeah. If I don't have just tech, even though tech is coming down, if I if I have utilities and healthcare <clears throat> and energy and I could have, and and I have great dividend stocks, um I, I'm sitting there like a slug going, what the heck is going on when the S P is up quite a bit because of those market cap companies that are eating the lunch of all the other companies. So, but if you, you want to be diversified and own different types of companies and own value and cash flows and dividends. So the boring stuff is just sitting there paying dividend. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it's great. I mean, that's, I think that's risk management. I don't care about beating an S&P 500 knowing that it's just five to seven companies that are driving the entire darn thing. And no advisor in his, his or her right mind is going to take your money and, and sit with you. Imagine you're interviewing your broker. Danny, you're my, you're my prospective advisor. And I go to you, hey, how are you going to invest my money, Danny? Because we do get that question. And you go, I'm just going to take it. You know, the magic is AI. And I'm going to take all your money and I'm going to put it all into one sector of the economy. I don't care how much experience you have in investing. I'm a getting up and a walking out because you are obviously avoiding or ignoring risk. But imagine you did that back in January. Oh, then you would just get laughed at. Well, <laughs> yeah. Like last year, like when, you know, I'm just saying it's not good. If you're managing your own money and you're frustrated because you're diversified across different types of companies, you own a Walmart and you own Google. 
or you own AbbVie and you own Microsoft. That's okay. You don't have to have it all in those sectors. And by the time you catch on and buy in, some of the fever is coming off. So you'll have more opportunity to buy those stocks as you go through this corrective phase. But man, I, I just, there's just no way in heck. I would tell a person, if you just want one sector, you're going to have to find another advisor because it, it ain't happening here. <laughs> well, there, there, there is a lot of risk with that. And I, th and I see why people would want to do that. But I also understand that you know, hindsight is, is really easy. Take your money and go to and play roulette. Bet it on double zero. But, you know, I had a conversation with a client yesterday who, um, really conservative, uh -huh. doesn't have much allocation to stock. And they're like, man, I don't feel like this is so conservative anymore because yields have popped. And, you know, it's just that environment where, you know, you get a little bit of downside. And even then, you know, we've talked about, you know, Lance has talked about for a month and a half, hey, we're going to see a pullback. We're going to see a pullback. We're getting one. We're going to try to use this and find opportunities within mm -hmm. there. And I think that we're doing just that. Yeah. But... I think the mindset's like, whoa, hey, what just happened? You know, people are kind of shocked seeing that, okay, well, you know, yields are increasing, so bonds are going down, stocks have declined a bit. But, you know, I could argue this is pretty healthy. It's going to be... You, you should know, get a 10% pullback in markets like you breathe every day. On average, you're going to get one to two. Exactly. Every year. Every year. It, it's, it's just part... Listen, if you're going to play in that, on that field, you better understand the terrain most of the time. You're going to trip. I mean, 10% doesn't feel good. That doesn't mean your portfolio is going to be down 10%, but you're going to go through a frustrating period. And August does tend to be frustrating. August and September tend to be rougher times in markets. But the longer-term trend is intact. We're trying to find where money will continue to be spent and put money there. So... Uh, I'm not hearing, you know what's funny? I'm not hearing on the C, on the financial channels over the last week and a half, not hearing a lot of AI stuff. Like it's sort of quieted down as these stocks have started to pull back. It's sort of like, we don't want to, you know, we might talk a little bit about it, but it's not constant yeah. that we've had. So remember, financial media can be helpful in some ways if you listen with a skeptical ear and you may get ideas or it, it, it could drive questions to your advisor. Um, you know, hey, I just heard about this report or this company, what do you think? Get a perspective, right? And understand the other side of the argument. For there are people that are all for certain things that are hot, why not look on the other side and take a look at what the other people who are not so hot on it are saying and, and pull a little bit of both. Um, try to find those arguments. If you want to own a stock, I always, if I want to own a company, what I do first when I want to own a stock, I go right to the views that are opposed to it. I don't even look at the ones that validate what I'm thinking. I want to read the ones that are telling me that's a terrible idea or I'd be cautious here so I can rethink and say, yeah, that does make sense, but I still think I'm going to go forward with this investment because. So I'm not trying to find those views. And I think you have to look really, Danny, at those views that 
do not confirm what you think. Like, I always have a battle with this treasury yield thing. Like, to me, I'm always looking at the, I understand why eventually these longer term yields must come down. We have these macro forces globally that are going to pull them down. I mean, demographics are one, it's some of the worst I've ever seen. Look, every country in the world, right? <clears throat> it, but in the, but I, you want to read the other side, like Larry Summers, who says, hey, I think the 10-year treasury is going to be at 5%. I want to read what he said and be there for a while. I want to see what the opposing view is. Don't you think investors should probably look to do that? Look at everything that is going to cause an obstacle or something you may not want to hear. You do need to listen to it or read it. You know, you and I talked about something like this years ago. It was probably 15 years ago, I want to say. We were talking about, um, you know, IPOs and how people want to jump in them. And you said, what? what's exactly what you said? You said, create a pros and cons list. Yeah. Figure out, it, but wait and see what happens from there. And I think that that's the problem is that people want to act so quickly on things because news comes so fast mm -hmm. that nobody does the homework anymore. And nobody wants to wait. No such thing as homework on anything. <laughs> or Except relying on somebody else's information. And exactly. Saying, okay. Except for people on YouTube and our show. Hey, when we get back, we're going to talk about pet care. 78% of Americans say they would be willing to go into pet debt. Me too. We'll be right back. daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. I think we're back. We're just standing here waiting for the cold front. Well, we may be here for a while. <laughs> oh, man. Brent likes this weather. He likes it hot like this. This is his thing. It's like he's that turkey in the oven, and he's pouring the, so the juices all over himself, not realizing he's baking alive. Top down, baby. What about the car? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brent's driving around. It's like 200 degrees inside his car. Oh, man. Oh, man. Some people who live for the heat. I like the heat, but I like it. It's the humidity that... Moderation. Yeah. It's the humanity that gets me, <laughs> not the heat. <laughs> Too many people. You don't have to shovel it off your driveway, though. No. Pine needles. There's that. There's the shoveling of pine needles. The mm -hmm. trees are crying right now. Yeah. Oh, I mean, shoot. I won't even put a dress shirt on. I mean, you're... It's, <laughs> It's I was going to iron a shirt. And I was like, nah, putting a polo on. It's yeah. too darn hot. Right. Boy, that's telling you. August is the season for three showers a day. Ah. Why don't we just work from the shower then? We don't even have to come in. <laughs> Echo chamber. Oh, Speaking but hey, you got to ration that water. Mm. You do. Well, shower with a friend. <laughs> 
or your pet. <laughs> Sometimes you got to get in the tub with them and just go for it, man. Have you ever done that? Yes. Because my dogs hate water. They hate the... I mean, I, I have weird dogs, and, and I got to keep them in there to jumping out, and they hate the... It's the whole thing. I did that one time. I came out looking like I've been wrestling in the briar patch. Exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like getting a dog in the pool. Like, no way. Yeah. Well, pool's one thing, but you got to contain the dog in the I shower. I love those dogs and the videos that you see, usually the bigger dogs, but some smaller dogs. They jump into the pool. They love it, and they start swimming. <laughs> <laughs> Living their best life. Yeah. So... uh the ASPCA reports that routine medical care costs $225 a year for dogs and 160 for cats, but I do think that's fairly generous. But many pet owners are willing to do anything to give their animal companions the care they deserve. So as many as 78% of Americans said they would consider going into debt to cover a pet emergency. And that's by Consumer Affairs Report from March. Of that 78%, 43% said they would go into, pet, into debt for their pet. 35 said they might. Um, but boy, um, it's a luxury in many ways to own a pet. We actually, for some clients, we set up a separate pet goal. <laughs> pet health insurance, pet care fund we have that are separate goals in plans to take care of the animals, knowing how expensive it is, especially if you have multiple. We have uh, some clients that have some senior dogs and cats and their bills are through the roof. Thousands of dollars. (laughs) Danny's like, Hey, I've been I'm there. So, I, I get it. I mean, it's, yeah, like look at what you did with your dog, right? All the te- I mean, you do this for the member of your family. So they talk about pet insurance, and I'm a little torn about this, Danny. Um, years ago, pet insurance was very affordable. So the North American Pet Health Insurance Association uh, accident and illness coverage for dogs costs an average of $53.34 per month. Uh, I will tell you, fifty three thirty four is incredibly low. I I I search and I've had a, an insurance policy called Healthy Paws on one of my dogs for a long time. That policy started ten years ago, at about ten fifteen dollars. This this time around, it's over a hundred dollars. I used to have it on all three dogs but I took it away from the other two because the other thing is, is to build a pet emergency fund. Yeah. Yields are good. So there, you better understand the stipulations behind the pet insurance and what they're going to pay for and how easy or more difficult they make it for a claim. So this is a very popular area because people must mitigate this risk based on the cost, but you are going to pay lots of money. <laughs> depending upon the dog and how old the dog is and certain things that are that dog is pro, that that dog is prone to that breed may yep. not be covered and you don't know it so you better read the fine print before you take on a pet insurance policy yeah i think that's really good advice because a lot of these breeds are prone to specific illnesses Correct. or ailments and so like we have boxers always have um and 
you know, we faced our fair share of, of bills. Now I think back to like my call, the dog I had in college, I spent way too much money, young, dumb, and probably selfish, like try, just trying to keep him alive for probably too long. Because um, that's what we do, right? So yeah. yeah I, but like the one we have now, we rescued and, you know, got him with heartworms. They said that it was already done and taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, treatment didn't work, had to continue to do a more advanced treatment. And, you know, that's a healthy dog with a problem that, you know, we inherited. And, you know, a lot of households, I think that would have broken if you're not prepared or saving for those types of um, instances. That that was awful. But, you know, I get it. People do it. People do it. So they're members and, of your family. Yeah. And what you have to keep in mind is you might get a basic policy, but then you may want something like dental illness, chiropractic care, behavioral conditions. For the dog or for people? Both. But for the dog. And you're gonna or the cat. You're gonna add more fees. Care. You're joking, right? No, you have you know, dogs that have like separation anxiety and they need training or whatever the heck it is. I mean whatever. Hold on now, but there's dog chi- chiropractors? Even Brent's. No, well, chiropractic care means like if you got to replace certain like hip replacements or whatever. In other words, if that dog is prone to a certain ailment, you're going to pay more probably for additional coverage. They're just not going to cover it. I got you. But that's why you got to really look at building maybe a pet emergency fund. That's really the easiest way. And if you're going to get yields close to over 4%, close to 5% in a high yield savings, then maybe you want to say, listen, I'm going to guide $100 a month. Instead of paying this health insurance bill, and they may not pay, uh, I'm just going to set up a pet fund, and I'm going to move money into it on top of my normal emergency savings. I mean, that seems to be the easiest way. And then maybe you can do minimal coverage on, a, on, a, on pet insurance because you're, you're going to pay for most of it, but you got to subsidize some of it, Right. Um, also there are a lot of vets that do take payment plans. You can look at that as well. There are ways to do well, that. Well, the cost of some of them, man, it's like we have a rule and haven't been following it as much, mm-hmm. but if they've got a really fancy office, you probably need to go somewhere else cause you're paying for that office. Right. But we have one that's at the front of the neighborhood, really good vet, mm-hmm. but great bedside manner. The guy will call you like. At night, hey, FYI, here's what mm-hmm. we did. Here's what's going on. These test results, don't worry, or here's what we need to do. But it costs an arm and a leg. It does. Even if the person does, even if I've noticed even vets that just have sort of nice offices, they're not over the top. But every time you walk in, it's at least $75 just for a visit. Ooh, man. I need to, I need to find out where you're going. Yeah, but I live in the bad part of town. You live in the I live part. down the road from you. <laughs> Yeah, about what are you talking about? About 50 miles, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> in the gated community. No, it's not gated. <laughs> I think there's it a broken be. fence in my neighborhood. Yeah. I got to live in the rat. I got to live in the uh, Roberts neighborhood. Which Brent, one? We need to move. He moves we, so frequently. Well, we I know. Can't. I don't know what neighborhood. But now he yeah. seems like he's in the Roberts or the Ratliff neighborhood. Ah, yes. And you have you to clench your jaw when you say that, lovey. <laughs> Oh, wonder what we're going to do today. Badminton? <laughs> oh, we're going to work. Who's we're got gonna the go game cock? Anybody got the game cock? We're going to go to work, and then we're going to chase kids, and then we're going to go back to work. Uh, I have to, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but Britney Spears is getting divorced. 
I have no feelings whatsoever. I, yeah. Well, her husband said she was, you know, there Which, was a there was a dancer. I or feel something. sorry for the woman. Something happened. She's but, being ignored and exploited. She does that a lot to herself. Ignored? Like, in other words, yeah. I've never thought I would say this, but she's the first woman I would tell to put some clothes on because she's always naked. On Instagram, yeah. she's always doing something without clothes. Like, we already seen you without clothes. Like, the, you're married to her. She's going to be somewhere without clothes. It's and, and by ignored, I mean, mean she has some real problems and need to no be one is addressing it. Yeah. Well, I think everybody's tried to address it around her, but if you don't want to help yourself... Yeah, I mean, I mean there's only so there's much that. you can do. Yeah, yeah, there's that. I don't know if the social media stuff helps either. Mm -mm. No, I don't think that ever helps, but I think that there, there are probably much greater issues at, at hand with this, and it's yeah. sad, really, I think. It is. I mean, man, trying to raise kids, go through so many different relationships, that's, that's got to be difficult. I would like to see, like... No, I'm not going to say it. Gonna get me in trouble. I want to see your estate plan. That's what I'm concerned with. Oh my God! You know there is none. Oh man, there you, better be. You know, absolutely. I mean, you thought Aretha Franklin was a, was a train wreck with that? I would dare to say there isn't that. But she's had so much news. Somebody has to be talking about. about I this hope so. You, you, man, I hope so. Brittany, call us, but wear clothes. Don't call me. Don't call do Rich. Zoom with no clothes. Can't do that here. Connie and compliance will cut the call. We're happy to help you. Brent's going to have an intervention with you. We'll play your music on the show as bumper. No. No, we won't. Oops, I did that again. <laughs> we'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in with us. Have a great weekend, everybody. Try to stay cool if you can. Not Fonzie cool, real cool.